Good morning. Go ahead and get, get us started today. Um, start with an announcement. Uh, Gil asked me to let you know that the prayer walk in China Grove is going to be this coming Saturday um, to meet at the China Grove Community Center. Um, if you're wanting, if you're planning to go to catch up with him today, he's got some flyer, some uh, pamphlets and, and tracks that he wants to get in your hands so you can become familiar with them before the prayer walk. So if you're going to go on the prayer walk on Saturday, um, please check in with Gil today. Um, yeah. Nine. All right, so let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started for today. Yes. Sam had emergency surgery last night for a kidney stone. So okay, but still, yeah. Okay. And also, the, uh, I, I, you guys got all the email, but the girly little, little girl that passed in the in the car wreck, I was over there two nights ago, and uh, they're doing as well as expected. But I mean, we can all imagine. Let's go ahead and. One more thing. Sarah oh, Holbrook yep. Text me and said uh, her neighbor, Crystal Moore, uh, is in the hospital with liver issues. Crystal great. Moore. It's great for her. Okay. Jeb and Sam. Okay. Any other prayer requests before we get before we go in? Yeah. Um, uh, Terry Beaver, friend, he's uh, uh, just a friend. He's got some. Issues, so he's gonna have to find out what's wrong. Yeah, man, yeah, some stuff going on. He's gonna find out what what is happening with him. Terry Beaver and Gil, what was Crystal Moore? Crystal Moore, thank you. Any other prayer requests? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we we acknowledge that we don't have control over our lives. That you are sovereign and and that you are in, uh, you have your hand in everything that is going on in our world. As we will study today in our conflicts, but also in the pain and the difficulty and the suffering and the loss that we experience each day and those around us are currently going through father we pray for terry beaver's family lord lord you know what's going on there and we don't need to know because you do know Um, but lord we pray that you will you will draw him close to yourself that if he doesn't know you that he will come to and if he does know you that he will draw close to you as the great comforter Father, we lift up the Gurley family, Lord, the unimaginable loss of a three-year-old. We don't understand, but we know you do. 
We pray for comfort, for peace that passes all understanding, and for trust, because all you can do in these moments is trust. And we can trust the one who has everything in his hands. Father, we lift up Crystal more to you, Lord. Lord, dealing with liver issues is, um, changes your life, Lord. And I pray that you will just be there and show yourself great and mighty and, and show yourself the great comforter. And Father, we lift up Sam to you, a man who's already dealt with so many health issues just to have to go back to surgery for kidney stones. Father, just be with him and encourage him. Father, we pray that our hearts will be open to the reality of conflict. That we would understand what you expect of us and stop looking at what we want in the moment. Be with us as we study today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week was, there was a little more to your reading this week. So my question to you is, after you've, you, you have read, right? Uh, after you have read both of these, the question, my question to you is, why did I give you both? Wouldn't one have been sufficient? Because there is a method to my madness. Why did you get both? One's very specific, or at least more specific on how, unless, you know, when he talks about the guy and the girl, that okay. one's not as specific, it's just principles. This points to a direct case study, right? A direct something that's actually happened in somebody's life and how these things apply to that. This is a little more general in a way. What did you notice if you go into the four G's of peacemaking? Comparatively to this one, did anything stand out? In the in scriptures, where was this one focused? James chapter 4, right? Um, it went to a couple of other places, 1 Thessalonians, it went, went to 1 Peter. But for the most part, this was focused on James chapter 4. This one, however, if you go through the four G's, you'll notice at the end of each G, there is a list of verses. Now, being a teacher for 15 years, I can pretty much expect that most of you may have read the words, but you might not have looked up the passages. But I would encourage you to read those words and then go back and look up those passages. Because in these steps, for lack of a better term, in these steps, you're going to discover that the Scripture speaks clearly to each step. But if you haven't taken the time to look it up, you're not going to know that. And then when the moment arises for you to get the log out of your eye, it's going to seem like a chore unless you realize why you're doing it. So... And then if you look at the back of this one, it gives you the seven A's of confession, verses that go with that. 
four promises of forgiveness, four verses, that, three verses that go with that. Um, building a culture of peace in your church. And if you notice, the things that are listed there are things that grace has been about since it started. Sometimes we do a really good job of it. Sometimes we struggle a little bit in the process. But this is what grace has been about. So the bit, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time in this today. We're going to spend a lot of time in this. And, I, and as I worked through this, I wrote in verses from this in mine in specific spots. So when we get to that, I'm going to point that out to you so that you can make that note because sometimes it's, it's so kind of tedious to go back and forth. There's a lot more verses here than there are here, but it's good to know where these plug in in this. So we're going to go through that. But first, I was in a, was it John, was it you I was in a conversation with this week about somebody was sitting on my couch. And we were talking about um, theology and how some people make the comment that, you know, all this theology, what's the point? Okay, but I, I, if you've got your book, I, I want you to turn to verse three and four and five. Um, verse three says the five preliminary perspectives. First one is the Bible's a story with conflict is a central theme. Okay, we can accept that, and it talks about the crucifixion being the ultimate, and then Christ's return his final conflict in the end over evil, period. Uh, the second one, conflict is an opportunity. Now, I don't know about you, but I generally don't look at conflict as an opportunity. They talk about here that most of us think is conflict is something we avoid. And that's, I think, for the most part, most of us probably feel that way. It's easier to avoid it than it is to deal with it. And if you're a... If you're a a gentle soul, as my wife tends to be, and I'm not. Um, if you're a gentle soul, um, you don't like conflict. You don't want conflict. You don't want to deal with conflict. You want it to go away. Um, and and there's, a, there's a piece of that that's biblical. We're going to talk about that. Um, but to avoid entirely is part of the problem. But conflict is an opportunity. That, that's a change of perspective, right? Well, where does that perspective come from? Look at number three. The person with whom you are in conflict is there for a divine purpose. This goes back to our discussions uh, in James chapter 1, right? A couple weeks ago, we were in James chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that, knowing that the testing of your faith brings about perseverance, and let perseverance have its perfect work so that you may be complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you have lacks wisdom, ask God. So there, God has a purpose in that person in conflict with you right now? This, this goes to the theology of sovereignty of God, folks. God's in, doesn't matter the good, the bad, or the ugly. God's in the middle of it. And if you lose that piece of theology, the rest of this doesn't make any sense. One thing our pastor's really good at is giving us theology. 
What we need to get good at is figuring out how that applies to today, how that applies to this minute, how that applies to my conflict, how that applies to my temptations, how that applies to my marriage. And next week and the week after, how that applies to my children or my parents. So don't get in your mind that this is separate from theology. What we're talking about is the application of theology. Okay? This is important that you don't miss this piece. Okay? So... The book starts, and I'm going to jump forward. He, talk, he jumps to page 6. He says, conflict in James chapter 4. So let's go to James chapter 4. So if you will, turn your Bibles to James chapter 4. We're going to spend a good deal of time in James chapter 4 here. And I'm going to reference some of the things that, uh, that uh, Timothy Lane talks about in his booklet. Um, because I think a lot of us... Uh, uh, I don't want to be assuming, but... One thing is, as he mentions at the beginning of the booklet, is everybody's got conflict. Um, if you work a job, you have conflict. Boss, people you work with, customers and clients. Uh, if you live in a family, you have conflict. Husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, parents, children, grandparents, children. In a church, there's conflict. Um, driving down the road, there's conflict. Do you see that? Some things that you may not consider conflict are actually conflict. Okay, so we're not talking about one or two things. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about real life here. Everything that goes on in your life that's not that's not godly is going to be involving conflict at some point. Now, some things that are going to be godly are conflict, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But it's important for you to see this. So James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Somebody read that for me. All the way to 3. So, what's the cause of conflicts and quarrels? What? Desires. Selfishness. Things that are in us. It's not the other person and how the other person responded to me. It's it's in here. It's where the conflict comes from. And it's interesting too, Greg, on this murder. He's talking to Christians. They're not murdering. I think he's going, because we can take the whole context, he's talking about the law of Christ. Well, and if we go back to Christ, um, what did he say? That's what, that's what I mean. Yes. If you thought evil in your heart, you committed murder in your right. heart. Right. If you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder. Because he puts it in with coveting. Yes. So, if you're thinking, well, I'm not a murderer, and you get angry with the person that you were in conflict with this week, yep, you did. Just because you didn't commit the action, you still committed the heart sin. So, yes, 
This is this comes from within. It doesn't come from without. It's not doesn't matter if the guy cut you off in traffic. It's how your heart responded to it. So this is going to get a little uncomfortable because why? Who are we not going to be focusing on? The other person. The other person. If you haven't figured this out yet, it's always about my heart. Good point. So let me ask you a question. Can you change you? Sometimes. <laughs> a lot better chance than changing the other person. Really? You have the ability to make the change. I said a better chance. <laughs> what? God does the changing. Now, does he expect, do we have a part in that? Of course we do. We have to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. So, Caleb's, yes, Caleb's right, right? He, there's a piece in this that we have responsibility for. But ultimately, if you don't start with what Christ has done for you, there's no change. That's why somebody can go to, and for lack of a better explanation here, can go to an AA meeting or an NA meeting. And they changed. They're not doing this anymore. But did they really change? Has their heart changed? Or has their focus of their heart just gone on something different? So, which here we're talking about our pleasures. In the book, he says our desires. The, James says the real problem is that a desire for something has grown from a simple desire into a self-centered, sinful demand. It's no longer a desire. It's I have to have this. I have to have you agree with me. I have to have you do what I think is right. I have to have that car. Whatever your desire was is now a demand. But this is interesting. Look at the first phrase of verse 4. What's it say? Whoa. You adulteresses. What is that in reference to? Away from God. Adultery. adultery. What is adultery? Unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness. Relationship with somebody outside of the marriage bond. Right? So, if we're adulteresses when we're dealing with... Con- Are you hearing this? You're an adulteress if you're dealing with conflict and quarrels with somebody else... Because why? This is, this is the key to this whole passage. You're married to Christ. But is he your focus? What's your focus? If you're in a quarrel, if you're in a conflict, what's your focus? What? What I want. Who's the focus? Me. Not who? Not who? Not God. Not God. Because you're dealing in conflict and you're dealing in quarrels, you're an idolater. Have you ever thought about the fact that your conflicts and your quarrels with other people are evidence of your idolatry? Do you know how hard it was to live this week? 
Because my life is full of conflict. What does that say about my heart? Or your murderous heart. Well, when I'm in conflict, it's usually because I'm angry at somebody else for something. And Pam will tell you, my day, every day, day by day by day, I come home and I'm usually peeved about something. But again, it's not about the kids. It's not about the teachers. It's not about the administrators. It's about Craig. Do you not know that friendship people, some people look at this verse and go, why is this here? Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Well, if you are desiring what I want, what does the rest of the world want? Same thing, right? What I want. So you're no different than somebody in the world. And what's and, and it was it was it was graphic language, it was violent language that God was God was he would rain down judgment on people that what happened to Israel over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Okay? But look at verse five. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in you. Okay? Your relationship with Christ, that marriage of your relationship to Christ, he jealously desires you. You know what? He's going to pursue you. Now, think of to the book of Hosea. What did Hosea do? He married a harlot. She left. He chased her down, got her back. Bought her back, chased her down, bought her back, chased her down, brought her back. God's doing the same thing to us. Every time we get selfish, we're walking away and he goes and he drags us back. <laughs> he pulls us back. Okay, but this is the point. Is it, is it the heavy-handed way of the way we see the way he handled Israel in the Old Testament? Look at the next verse. He gives a greater grace. There's no heavy fist in this. There's no, you're going back with me whether you like it or not. Right? He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, be subject to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, that's interesting. Now the devil's pulled into this, right? What are the three things that we struggle against? The world. The flesh and the devil. So if we're focused on ourselves, that's the flesh. If we're so focused on the things going on around us, that's the world. And the devil's going to have his fingers in it too. And, and he spoke to all three of those at this point. So have you diagnosed the problem correctly? Do you know that? And it's, it's funny because he says it right here. Verse 11, he says, um, oh, sorry, verse, uh, not verse, uh, page 10. He says, if you recognize yourself that you are, you, this is you, you're ready to see what James, the cure James provides. He said, and then we talked about um, how your selfishness is adultery against Christ. 
And then he says on page 11, this serious sin lies at the heart of your conflict. It's important to stop seeing conflict as just something that happens. It happens to everybody. Of course it happens to everybody. But your conflict is a serious sin against God. You have to see that. And I love the big questions he gives us. What do I want right now more than Christ? And what, how am I acting to get it? These are great questions to be able to check our hearts. What do I want right now more than God? And how am I acting to get it? Okay, now step two, he says, engage in intelligent repentance and faith. And he jumps to James chapter four, which we've talked through that. Okay, four, five, six, and, and eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Okay, and then seven through 10 is what repentance looks like. That's what he tells us. Seven through 10, be subject to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and cry and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. You do realize that this entire passage is talking about you and your conflicts and your quarrels, right? We're not talking about overt sexual sin. We're not talking about gluttony. We're not talking about stealing a car. We're talking about the fact that you have conflict. And God says, be miserable and mourn and cry and let your laughter be turned to mourning. Do you mourn because of your conflicts? Do you see your conflicts as something that is what Christ got nailed to the cross for? That spike that went into his hand was the fact that you are constantly in conflict because of what's going on in here. Do you see that? That's what he's saying. So let's jump to uh, page 14. He says, step three, consider the other person. Now, this is where we jump away from James for a minute. Um, in this passage in James, he doesn't, he, he doesn't talk about considering others. But there are a number of passages in Scripture that do remind us that, remember, it wasn't, the focus wasn't on the other person, right? The focus is on us dealing with our conflict. However, we still need to consider the other person. You don't just, in a spiritual way, it's my fault and it's all I did and da 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 da. No, you accept what you have done, but you consider the other side of this. First Peter three seven and eight. This was this. Uh, I'm hoping husbands read this part. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. Okay, now I'm going to come back to the book here, page 15. Because he says something in such a way that I hope you hear this. Live with your wife in an understanding way. What does that look like? That means you live with your wife in a way that you know what she feels like by the way you acted. Are you, you getting it? You're putting yourself in her skin. That's what, that's what it means. So the next time you lose it and you go off on her... 
Think about the fact that, are you living with her in an understanding way? Do you understand what hearing that come out of your mouth and the way that it came out of your mouth made her feel? With your children, when you lose it with your children, you lose it with your employees, you lose it with your employer. Are you putting yourself in their shoes for you to be able to see what they must be thinking and how they must be feeling in that moment to hear what they're hearing from you? And in a way, this comes back to the golden rule, right? Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. It's not what they're doing to you. It's the way you want them to do to you. That's what Jesus was talking about. This is what Jesus is talking about. Are you responding in such a way that they're going to feel encouraged by the conversation, not diminished by the conversation? Well, Steinberger, where are you getting that? Well, when step four, when it says move towards other people in love, it gives you some of those things. First Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Are you loving the other person? What about Galatians 5? You don't have to turn because I'll be moving through a couple of these pretty quick. <clears throat> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Can those words be used for the phrases that you used when you talked to that person? I'm talking to myself here because the next one hurts. Gentleness. I'm not a gentle person. I'm, begin, I'm becoming a better, a more gentle person, but I know myself enough to know that in my heart I'm not a gentle person. Against such things there is no law. Verse 25 is so interesting. If we live by the Spirit, some, ver, some, some, some versions say, let us walk by the Spirit. Mine says, let us also walk in step with the Spirit. If the Spirit's walking that way, are you walking with Him in His steps? That's where the fruit of the Spirit comes from. Uh, Colossians 3, 12, and 17. But he jumps to 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 to 18. And I'm gonna, this is where we're going to spend the last bit of our time. Because some of you are going, oh, a person don't deserve anything from me. You know what I'm talking about? Because we all got them, right? Some of us, it's family. Some of us, it's family. <clears throat> First Thessalonians 5, 14 to 18. And he goes through verse 14 piece by piece in here. We're going to talk about each of them a little bit. And we urge you, brothers... Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. With everyone. With everyone. That's so hard. That's why I can't do it by myself. I can't be patient with one person, let alone everyone. See that no one repays evil for evil. Ouch. But always seek, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. 
says it right there. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Okay, that, how hard is that? You just told me that I have to admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, don't repay evil for evil, and now rejoice in it. Uh-huh. But look what it follows with. Pray without ceasing. Why do you need to pray without ceasing? Because I can't do any of that without Christ's help. This ain't about me doing the right thing. It's about, I need Christ in me to do it. Because in me, there is none of this. I I have no desire to do that in and of myself. And what desire I do have is the desire that Christ gives me. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In that situation, you find yourself where it's the most miserable situation that you could possibly have imagined for yourself. Give thanks. Why? Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ. What's the point of all of this? What's the point of your conflict? Going back to James chapter 1. What's the point of your conflicts? More like Christ. To grow us in perseverance. To be, help us to become mature. God's using this conflict in your life to help you become mature. To grow you up in Him. Some of the things that He talks about warning the idol. Okay. He uses the guy in here, Rob, uh, who has an anger problem. He's got an anger problem. No, he doesn't. He's got a self-problem. Anger is how it shows. Um, his wife, Nina, she's got a, she's got a problem too because she just wants to placate him and make it all go away. No, she's got a self-problem too. Hers just displays differently. We have to, this is where, this is where you have to deal with those first ones, right? I said I wasn't going to do this, I'm do it anyway. Glorify God, get the log out of your eye, gently restore, go and be reconciled. Right? The first one is glorify God. If he's not the first thing on your mind, the rest of this isn't going to work. Number two, get the log out of your own eye, deal with yourself second. And then restore. What's the key word? Gently. Gently. Oh, you want some verses just to remind you on that? How about uh, James 5, 9? 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. And Galatians 6, 1 to 2. Every single one of them said the same thing. Oh, actually, James 5, 9 says, Don't groan against your brothers. But 2 Timothy 2, Galatians 6. They talk about doing things gently. And then he goes into the other areas. Encourage the timid. Okay? And, and this is something to remember. You may, not be t- you may not be timid in this area like this person is, whoever this person is. But remember that Jesus is a king who doesn't stop working in them until everything opposed to him is overthrown. Where this is their area of being timid, you've got one too. It's just a different one. Help the weak. I love this. The word help can be translated, hold on to them, cling to them, put your arms around them. Doesn't just mean, doesn't mean just go and, um, you know, it says in um, the Bible that you need to love your wife. Well, you're right, it does, but are you going to put your arm around them? Are you going to cling to them? Are you going to do what it takes to be in their life? 
to help that man become the man who loves his wife? That's what we're called to do. And of course, my, my, the biggest bane in my existence, be patient. We are to warn and encourage and help others. How long? For a really, really long time. But I've done all these things and nothing's changed. Keep on doing. And he closes the booklet. <clears throat> oh, sorry, this is important. Revoke revenge. You're giving up the freedom to have revenge on that person. A great temptation in conflict is to gradually give up hope and grow self-righteous and angry at the other person. We are called to reject this temptation and do good to those that we are in conflict with. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. There are some of you in here that are being persecuted right now. Revoke revenge. And ultimately, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, be joyful always, pray continuously. This is worship, folks. Your conflict should drive you to worship. And then there's a section here on how to make a plan. So if conflict is a struggle for you, there's a step-by-step there. How do I do that? It's right there. And this is a great tool for that as well. Okay? So we just blew through James chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 5. But it's, this has been hard for me because conflict has been one of the struggles that I've had over the last couple of months. Um, work has been a conflict for me. And walking through this at work has been a challenge. Um, so don't think that I'm up here telling you what you need to do because I got it all right. Because this is a struggle. And also, Greg, I think, too, there, this is dealing with mostly things that are in, in your control with relationships. You, you know, I, we could go through the congregation and other instances where there's some conflicts that are happening and they're out of our control in the sense of making reconciliation with another person or another. You know what I mean? But, like you said, we it's still about us. Yes. That's the key. But, I mean, there are some things there, you know, being at peace with everyone as much as all as possible. You know? Right, and, and sometimes it's not possible. Right. Um, so what? I guess I'm thinking about when, when the other person, there's the non-believer, I mean, I'm thinking about even the car wreck. I mean, they're going to be upset with this man and they'll not ever see him again. You know, that might go on for the whole life. Yes. What, what do you do with, you know, I, I could bring up other, even in our congregation, it's just instances where you're thinking, there's no conflict here. I mean, there's no resolution there aren't always resolutions. Right. That, that's one of the things if you, if, you, if you read your homework. He has uh, two sections in here that are specifically about sometimes there's no solution. So what's the solution in that moment? When, the, when there's no solution to the problem itself, what's the solution? Still to do what to be obedient. We have to still be obedient. We have to forgive, right? I mean. We are called to forgive. Now... That doesn't mean go and say, oh, I forgive you for that. That's not what that means. Okay? If they come and say to you, will you forgive me? Your heart needs to be in a place where you can say, yes, I forgive you. Now, in forgiveness, in forgiveness. You can never talk to them again. You can never talk to them again, and it's all about your heart. Right. But this is the other thing, too, because John's opening the door here. 
We're dealing with things that what he's talking about, hard issues, right? Very difficult issues. Forgiveness does not mean open access. Okay? You can forgive somebody for the, for the hurt that they've caused. If, if you have done these things, if you have glorified God in this, if you have gotten the log out of your own eye, and where this says gently restore, sometimes you can't gently restore because of the way the situation is. If they come to get restored, you can open that door to them for restoration. But restoration does not mean putting yourself back in a position of danger or struggle or difficulty. Because some people, people are evil. We are evil in our hearts. And some people have allowed that evil to have full control. And you cannot put yourself in a position where that evil is going to have full run in your life. If you have that power, if you have that ability. And if you don't, that's where this is, this is so huge. The slippery slope here, peacemaking responses. You'll notice there were three that were personal, right? There were three that were, were com- community responses. Mediation, arbitration, accountability. Sometimes you have to have other people step in. Because you can't deal with it. So... <laughs> Folks, this has been so hard to teach these lessons because John just brought out one thing that with, with these, every one of these lessons, uh, the, 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 the lesson on temptation, um, the, the lessons that are coming on parenting, on children, on anxiety, on depression, um, the stuff that we've already talked about, there's more than I can give you in 35 minutes. I can't give you everything. So what I focus on up here is what you can focus on right now. Okay? If there's questions about things that I've said that you go, but what about this? Come talk to me. We can talk through the individual situations and we can work through those individual situations. But from up here, all I can do in this 35, 40-minute session is give you the biblical principle for dealing with conflict generally. Okay? Last week was the biblical principle for dealing with temptation, generally. Next week is going to be parenting and children, generally. But you guys have known mine and Pam's life. We've had quite a difficult child in our house. Okay? Sometimes that type of situation requires an adjustment or a a different look at Scripture to see how we need to deal with that. But if I give that to all of you, is that going to be helpful to you? Because most of you don't have that kid. So that's why you have elders. Because I can give you the general principles for all of these issues that you're going to be able to take home. You're going to be able to teach your children. You're going to be able to help your friends that are dealing in conflict. You're going to be able to help your friends dealing in temptation. But sometimes there's some difficult stuff. And that requires more wisdom. And sometimes you need an elder for that. You need somebody who has immersed themselves in the word that can say to you, you know what? That's a great question. And I don't know. Let's find out. And then go dig in for it. Um, So I appreciate John's question because it, it reminded me to remind you that this isn't the final word. This is the first step. Um. Does that help? Does that, did that clarify a little bit? Thank you, Caleb, for the one yes. I appreciate that. Um, 
it's tough because there are so many different life situations that the Bible does speak to, but it speaks to in different places, and I can't get to every place. So there, there are 66 different books, folks. It's hard to get through them all. Let me pray for us, and then we'll move on. Father, thank you so much for this time. Help us to understand our, our part in conflict. Help us to focus on what you have given us the ability to work on, which is our heart and our role in the conflict. Father, thank you for the wisdom of your word, because without it, man, we'd be lost. We we would be confused, and we would not know what to do, and not where to go, and not how to handle things. Father, I pray for John as he leads us today. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts to what he's saying, and help us to look for ways to apply the things that he's talking about today. In Jesus' name, amen.